If I said I'm going to Vegas next week, the answer is always the same. Where are you staying? Are you seeing any shows? Can you place $20 on black for me? You know, and you could talk about Vegas from so many angles, and that's why these three podcasts complement each other so well. Uh, they take different approaches to covering the city that even when they touch upon uh, the same topics, it never sounds like they're repeating themselves. They've each found their niche and their tone, and that's uh, one of the reasons why the first show tonight is, is special to me. Because as somebody who not only produces podcasts, but is also uh, an avid listener of them, one of the most important things to me is hearing the evolution of a show and hearing it find its voice. Um, unlike the other two, I've been listening to this one from the beginning, uh, back in the days when Hunter was singing his own theme song and uh, his own bumper music. <laughs> and it consisted mostly of his, um, him talking about his man crush on Steve Wynn. So, uh, but even though uh, Robert Keane doesn't think so, Hunter really knows his stuff. And, uh, but he did feel that he needed different perspectives and started bringing in other people. And uh, it's become one of the most interesting and informative discussions on the casino industry that you're going to find. So, uh, and, and also I wanted, should also say that uh, Hunter and Chuck did a, a ton of work in uh, putting together uh, this show, in do, pulling together a lot of logistics, as, as did Steve Fries. But um, Chuck was uh, partially responsible for my contract writer. So I just wanted to thank him for the midget hooker that was in my uh, hotel room today. All right. So uh, let's bring out the Vegas gang. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff Simpson could not make it. So let's get uh, Hunter Hilligus, Admiral Chuck S. Monster, and Dr. Dave Schwartz, and their special guest, Gordon Absher of MGM Mirage. Hey guys. Unfortunately, uh, Jeff is sick. I talked to him this morning and he has the flu. He wanted to be here, but um, he didn't want to infect us, so I think he's doing us a favor. When do you guys want to sit over with me? Yeah. So I'm not all alone? It's the control room over here, I guess. All right. Um, all right, let's get going. So uh, thank you guys all for coming. Um, with me today, as always, I have Dr. Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. What's up, Dave? Hey, not too much. <laughs> Excellent. And Mr. Chuck Monster from VegasTripping.com. Hey, how's it going? And I'm very happy that we've got a special guest, Mr. Gordon Absher from MGM Mirage. So give him a big hand for coming out. So this is pretty informal. We um, are going to sort of lob questions at you and um, hopefully learn a few things. So um, something's going to happen in December. Uh, a project that's been uh, going on for quite a while is going to open, and that's uh, City Center. And I don't think anybody could know the, anything about Las Vegas without um, knowing that it's coming along. So it's definitely the topic of the day. And um, I just want to throw this out off the top. What kind of metrics are you guys at MGM Mirage going to use to decide if City Center has been a success and a good return on investment? Well, first, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> um, certainly, any, the same metrics that, that we're measured by at any other uh, of our uh, many resorts on the Strip, uh, and, and uh, various folks will look at various things. But uh, EBITDA, RevPAR, RevPOR, uh, room occupancy, average daily rate, all of those sorts of metrics. 
Um, but I imagine that's not exactly the answer you were looking for. Well, there have been, I don't say this to take away from the project because I think it's definitely one of the most exciting things that has happened in this city maybe ever. I mean, it's at a scale that we haven't seen before. But there have been some pretty high, high, well-publicized problems with the project, such as um, construction issues that were forced some changes and uh, some cost overruns. I mean, it's if you compare the final budget to the original budget and also the scope of the project, to be fair, it's different. It's changed. It's gone up. So with those kinds of with those kind of changes, would do you look back and are you is is the company happy with where it's ended up? Um, excited about the opening? I think the company is very happy with the, with the final product. Um, I, I have the benefit of uh, being able to get out there several times a week. Now we're beginning to show people around. Um, it's it's going to be spectacular. It's for those of you that that live in Las Vegas and have been able to watch city center grow and come out of the ground and, and, and reach for the sky over the past four or five years, uh, it's, it's been quite a progression. For those of you that have maybe stopped into town once or twice and seen it at different stages, uh, even now, if you haven't seen it until this weekend, you walk by and you see this huge new skyline different than anything else here in, in the valley right now. Uh, it's impressive, but it's nowhere near as impressive as when you have the, uh, the opportunity to walk in and walk down City Center Drive, which is, uh, by design, the, the exact same width as Park Avenue in New York. And you see these 30, 40, 50-story buildings rising on either side of the street. You're marching towards Aria. And then at one point, you, you stop and you look up and you realize that Veer Tower, which by design is five, the, the two towers lean away from other, one another, five degrees off of perpendicular, and you're standing in the middle of what is going to be a busy roadway in 60 days, 60 days, <laughs> and you look up and you realize there's this 37-story tower literally leaning out over your head. And it, it's things like that 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 are you, you can't compare to in, in Las Vegas. And that's a pretty bold statement in and of itself, is to find something in Las Vegas that, that can stand out as bold. Uh, City Center is going to stand out because it's different. It's going to create a different type of energy. Uh, from the very first uh, conceptual conversation, and, and here, let me show you inappropriate. I brought visuals for a radio show. I apologize. The audience okay. can't see it. but <laughs> We'll publish these. If the, the panel has not seen these yet, this is the original. They call it a bubble diagram. Here's a couple extras, Chuck. We'll publish these on the website after we're done. So that but Jim Murren sat down. Jim Murren, our, our current chairman, was a, an urban studies major. He studied cities. He sat down after the Mirage merger with MGM back in 2000. The company acquired this unique piece of land. Uh, we already had half of this, and in the merger, uh, we acquired the second half. And suddenly we have this huge... 60, 70 acre piece of land right at the center of the strip. This is an opportunity that was never going to be offered any company ever again. This was beachfront, the last piece of beachfront property in Las Vegas. And Jim sat down thinking, 
We need to do something special with this opportunity. We owe it to the city, we owe it to the company, we owe it to our shareholders to take advantage, the best advantage of this, of this opportunity. They contemplated several different traditional mega casino concepts. They could have put one, they could have put several on there, but they chose to sit down and go a different direction. And, and Jim sat down with some of our folks and came up with this where uh, in architectural terms, they, they changed the massing of the buildings and they took an urban style, high density development approach and they put more into the same space they, so they changed the way they did things simply by looking at it differently. Uh, this is the best way to represent that. Most casinos, mega casinos like Bellagio, Mandalay Bay, they're on a piece of land about 60, 65 acres. All of the interior space inside one of those typical modern mega casinos, Bellagio, just using it as an example, is six million square feet. On a piece of land basically the same size, city center is going to have 18 million square feet of occupiable space. So we're putting more in. As you drive in, you immediately notice things are closer together. You notice there aren't huge uh, acres of pool in the back. There's acres of pool, but they're built up onto a rooftop of the Porta Cashier at Vidara, uh, above the, uh, the, the, the back of house areas at, uh, at Aria. Uh, actually, on top of those two buildings that defy gravity, there are swimming pools on top of those. So, it, it, what was the question again? Well, no. I, I do think, more than I can say emphatically, we're very happy, we're very excited. Um, what will the measure be? I think there will be measures, we will be measured for the next five years. There will be a measure when people first step on the property. There will be a measure on opening night. There will be a measure at the end of the first quarter when the first official comparable numbers come in. Um, we are the biggest thing happening in Las Vegas. We are the only new resort opening. Um, this has to work for the benefit of the community, for the benefit of our company. Um, it, it's going to work. How, how big of a problem is the condo situation? I mean, obviously, you're in now going to open city center in a, in a market that is significantly down from where it was when it was conceived. Um, and you guys are managing that. I, I know that you announced recently that you were going to reduce some of those prices to try and help spur that on. Um, is, is this something, a topic of much fretting inside the company? And are there contingencies, like, for instance, maybe Vidara becoming a, a hotel-only project or even a casino hotel project? Subject of worry, no. Subject of concern, yes. Obviously, we've been working on it for a very long time. Uh, we needed to make some adjustments. Uh, the world is different, far different than it was when we, when we first launched this project. Uh, the residential sales area is probably the most evident because anyone who signed a deal is obligated, is on the hook for one of these condos at the price that they signed their, their contract at. Uh, those those condos now will assess differently. Uh, we've gone through a very lengthy, very extensive process of making those assessments. We announced just two weeks ago, I believe, 30% reduction in those contract prices. So if you signed for a condo, say, just for round numbers for, at a million dollars, you now have a 30% reduction in that. That's important because when you signed your contract, you gave us 10% down. And then 90 days later, you gave us another 10%. So 
if we were to hold you to a million dollar uh, million dollar contract, when you went to try and get a mortgage for that, it would be impossible because the bank would assess it at, so you have the, the choice of losing $200,000 walking away from your deposits or trying to get an impossible mortgage. So we're being realistic about it. Uh, concern, yes. We're confident of the 60% uh, of the total number of residential, residential units that we've got uh, have been signed for. Uh, we're uh, very optimistic that the units in the Mandarin Oriental are going to go at a, at a very high rate of, of completion for those contracts. Um, those it, people forget because it's everything's spiraled down downhill. So can you spiral downhill? Is that a proper analogy? <laughs> spiral downward uh, so quickly we forget that when we put the the sorry I don't mean to turn my back to you, Chuck. Oh, no, no, it's the, okay. uh, I feel the love. When when we put those Mandarin Oriental condos on the market, ninety-seven percent of them were sold within eight weeks. So we're also confident that we will be able to sell the other uh, condo units simply because people are going to realize what a hot prospect city center is, what a unique place to live it will be. Uh, as to your, your Vidara question, uh, I think that's, that's something that uh, will remain to be seen. Uh, either way, we, we, we were prepared to run and, and are going to run Vidara as an MGM Mirage luxury hotel. I've been in it. It's spectacular. Um, I've told my wife that we're moving into this uh, two-bedroom uh, up on the uh, 42nd floor that has a 270-degree view of the valley. Nice. Um, it, it would make a really great home. But yeah, I actually, I've, story. as I was booking city center's uh, first few days, I, I booked Vidara, and I'm actually maybe I'm really excited about Aria, but the the room that I picked out for Vidara was amazing looking from the pictures. So I'm personally very uh, very much looking forward to checking it out. That's something that's going to be really unique about City Center as well and, and something that's lost. We've been referring to it as this amorphous blob of City Center but there is no City Center so to speak. You can't buy a room at City Center. You have to select a product and Vidar is going to be a very unique product because here you are going to have a, a condo hotel equidistant between two of the finest hotels in the world and will be a fine luxury hotel in and of itself. Uh, it will be attached to both the, the Bellagio Spa Towers and Aria. Uh, you'll have a uh, automated people mover, a monorail that will take you all the way to Monte Carlo, to the, the Crystal's uh, retail space. It, it's, it, you, you all are gonna be wowed when you do have the opportunity, when those ribbons are cut and you can walk out there. Trust me, you're going to be impressed. Is, is there? This is actually a question that Jeff wanted to make sure I got in. Is, is there any concern about a potential exodus of MGM Mirage executives that have been very development focused, like perhaps a Bobby Baldwin? As a, Jim Murn, I think, is on the record saying that he doesn't expect any major developments for maybe up to ten years in Las Vegas. It, does that give pause for an, an executive like Baldwin, who is very development focused? That would be a very good question to ask Bobby. <laughs> uh, I think everyone uh, involved in the project is very, very focused right now uh, on completing this project. As for the next project, uh, certainly, Jim's absolutely right. And if you've heard him uh, rationalize that 10-year prediction and how long it takes, just the, the, the process, 
uh, it makes a lot of sense that there probably won't be any new concepts opened in the next 10 years. Financial markets are still very, very tough. We, knock on wood, were, were able to and will continue to be able to work our way out. Others around us were not as lucky or had to take steps that, uh, that, that, that would have created a very different outcome for us. Uh, my office, uh, uh, the back of our building, when I go back and, and work with people back there, our, those windows look right out onto the, the mothballed echelon project. Um, as tough a decision as that was uh, for our, our friends at Boyd, they made the right decision at the time. Um, the Las Vegas of old, as far as go, go, go development, is, is gone. Um, but the conversation, when it turns to, is it, is it over? The answer is an emphatic no. Uh, when the, the, the question of cannibalization comes, uh, it's an emphatic no. Uh, the, to put forth the concept that Las Vegas can't build new because it will take the customers away from old. If you apply that in reality, Las Vegas never would have gotten to where it is now because we've opened so many things. Everybody's always asked about the, the cannibalization and have we outgrown. I don't know if you all have seen the famous Life magazine cover from the 1950s, like 1958, is it, Dr. Dave? Uh, 55. 55. <laughs> it's a black and white picture of the Las Vegas Strip, and it says, has Las Vegas outgrown itself? Uh, has it grown too big? That question's been posed for decades since, and, and now we look back and laugh. Um, when Wynn opened Encore last year, when Wynn itself opened, uh, we were asked, you know, are we going to lose all of our customers from Bellagio, all of our high-end customers? We didn't. As a matter of fact, last year when Encore opened and everyone, all of the, the opinionators were asking themselves that question very breathlessly, Bellagio had, even amidst the worst economy, when, when a lot of other properties were having really difficult times, Bellagio was still setting record revenue levels. So, no. You mentioned Bellagio and you mentioned the um, prospect of growing the player base. And, you know, in the past, Bellagio opened, and I, and I believe, you know, many of the Mirage players moved from, the best players moved from Mirage to Bellagio. They wanted to check out the next greatest thing. I, can, is it safe to assume that you, that uh, many of these players will move to Aria, and is there concern that that will hurt Bellagio, or is Bellagio still going to be you know, one of the feathers in the MGM crown? Absolutely. Bellagio and Aria are going to be very different from one another, just like Mirage and TI are very different from one another, just like Luxor and Mandalay are very different from one another. How many here are from out of town? How many wow. of you sort of look at Las Vegas as one big happy place where everybody's competing with everybody? <laughs> Good. You're, you're sophisticated players. It, it's, it's not. You go to different places in Las Vegas for different types of experiences. Um, if, you're, if you're coming with, your, with your, your college friends for a sports betting weekend, if you're coming for a bachelor party or bachelorette party, if you're coming for a romantic weekend, if you're coming for a business weekend, you could and probably would choose a different hotel for every one of those experiences based on your budget, your anticipation, what you're anticipating, how much fun you plan on having, how much business you plan on getting done. Some, play, some people plan their vacations to cross off ballparks. There are people in this world who 
cross off restaurants and chefs or wine selections. So Vegas is is going to continue to succeed because you can come to Vegas this weekend, come again next weekend, and have two completely different experiences. Mega players, the whales, the sophisticated folks that the casino marketing uh, staffs are, are chasing, they know they're being sought, um, and they go different places for different reasons. Uh, the, the player may like the, the host at one facility, but uh, his spouse or wife or girlfriend may, uh, may, may want to go to a certain event at another casino, and they know if they stay with the casino that has the arena, that has the event, they're going to get better seats, so they'll go there. It's not, it's not like a fraternity in college where you sign up with one and you learn the handshake and get the tattoo and <laughs> stay there forever. People shop around. They sample. So, yes, we anticipate we will have a great degree of sampling. Uh, but at the same time, we also know that not everyone is going to be an ARIA customer. Everyone's going to want to go take a look at it, check it out, play in the casino, try their restaurants, see the Elvis show. Uh, but our chairman has also told every one of our property presidents to develop a marketing plan for the opening of City Center. We know that there are going to be folks who want to enjoy City Center but would rather play, pay Monte Carlo prices. So Monte Carlo's got a, got a campaign. So does Mandalay Bay. So does MGM Grand. Because we have one of the largest databases in the industry. We want to appeal to all of our, all of our customers, and we want them to enjoy themselves in Las Vegas at any one of our properties. So we will find ways for our customers at Luxor and Mandalay Bay and all the, all the other sisters to have the ability to get into the amenities at, at City Center and enjoy Aria and Vidara and the other places with, with equal ease. Um, you, starting on, I think, December 3rd or 2nd or 3rd maybe, you have a pretty busy month of December. Can you? Yeah, we've canceled Christmas. <laughs> can you lay out for? Yeah, you apologize in advance to your wife, right? You're not going to be around. Can you sort of lay out for the listeners and the people here what that process is going to be? What's going to open when and how that's well, going to work? Well, on Thanksgiving, we're going to eat a lot of turkey because that's going to be the last meal we get for a long time. <laughs> uh, December first, we open Vidara. Vidara is the con- the 1,500-unit condo hotel. Uh, that is uh, on the back end of the project, back away from the Strip, back towards the Bellagio Spa Tower. On December 3rd, we will open Crystals. Crystals is the 500,000-square-foot retail dining and entertainment space that is at the heart of city center uh, and at the base of the Veer Towers. On December 4th, we will mark the... uh, Era, the beginning of the Mandarin Oriental era in Las Vegas with the opening of the first Mandarin Oriental hotel uh, ever in the city. Uh, if you're not familiar with the legend and the, the legacy of Mandarin Oriental, it is one of the finest luxury hotels in the world, uh, com- comparable to uh, Ritz-Carlton, comparable to uh, Four Seasons, known throughout the world for its, its high degree of, of service, Uh, I've been lucky enough to stay at a couple different hotels. I actually stayed at the original Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Hong Kong. Just incredible. You ask the concierge a question, and 
next thing you know, she's guiding you to exactly where you need to go. None of this, you know, yeah, hang a left up here, you'll see it. You can't miss it. Um, we have a sky lobby. We, we are building it. We will own the real estate. We have a management contract with the Mandarin Oriental Company to operate the hotel. We've built in, in consultation with them in the design of the hotel, there is a unique feature. We're calling it a sky lobby. When you pull into city center from the strip, you will pull into this immense drive that I, I described already. There are no stoplights. There are no stop signs. All the traffic is free-flowing. All the pedestrians, the walkways are built so that there's no pedestrian walkways, no, no crossing over. You'll never have to worry about that. Pedestrians will have their areas. Cars will have theirs. But when you're going to Mandarin, you will go down a ramp and under and into a small private motor court. So you will feel, even though you're in the midst of, of everything at city center and you'll be just literally yards off the Las Vegas Strip, you're going to feel this seclusion. You will be greeted by the valet. They'll take your car. You'll walk in. That You'll give your name to the, the folks in the ground-level lobby, hop on an elevator to go up to the sky lobby, which is on the 23rd floor, and has floor-to-ceiling windows, high ceilings, and, and it, it's going to have an incomparable view of the strip because here we are, center strip. Anywhere you look, you are going to see nothing but the world's most famous boulevard. Now, while you're on your way up in the elevator, the guy that greeted you downstairs is calling up, and by the time you make it to the, to the check-in desk, they are already going to have your folio up and ready. They'll greet you by name, and they will take you in, get you your key, and get you to your hotel room so you can start your experience. That's on the 4th, and then we're going to take a breath. On the 16th, we will have the grand opening for Aria, which is the, 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 the grand dam. It's the... the uh, the modern version of the the uh, hotel uh, casino resort in Las Vegas that will have the uh, uh, 4,000 room hotel, the casino, the the, the 16 different uh, dining restaurant facilities, uh, the convention center, a new Cirque du Soleil show opening, uh, starting previews there at the uh, at the grand opening. It will have its actual show opening uh, in dis in uh, in January. I think there may be a birthday or something in there that they're going to help celebrate. Um, and then we're all going to take a breath, and uh, then we're just going to keep pushing this rock uphill and uh, uh, tell the world, uh, doing podcasts and telecasts and morning shows and interviews, and uh, then we're going to wait for the world to beat a path to our door. Um, as far as in that first, let's say the 16th, do you guys expect, as far as retail and restaurants, most of these facilities to be open, or is it going to be sort of a graduated thing? Restaurants in Aria and in the hotels, yes. They'll be ready. They'll be open. Uh, in uh, the retail world, as you can imagine, um, it's been a very, very difficult year. Everybody knows we had, our, we had troubles, as did just about every other company around. The, the bottom line on those troubles was... The, the freezing of the credit markets. Money was not available. Uh, we have our debt and we carry our debt forward. Uh, that's just how the, the money world works. When you are a retailer and you're opening a new shop in a new mall somewhere, I didn't say mall, we're not supposed <laughs> to use the word mall when we're talking about crystals, <laughs> so we weren't talking about crystals there. You have to pay Chuck to design it. 
you have to pay Dave to, to get all your new clothes, all your new product ready. You've got to hire Hunter to staff the store. You have to lay out a lot of cash. How do you get that cash? The same way we get cash as consumers to buy new cars and to you know, add patios to our houses, you borrow it. Well, when there's no money to borrow, that makes things really, really difficult. Well, these folks were sort of in the same situation as our residential uh, customers were in as much as they signed these, these leases in a different world. So they are still committed to come. They are going to come. When we open uh, Crystals on the, on the 3rd, we will have approximately 40% of our leased spaces open and ready for you to come down and do your, your holiday shopping. More stores will open constantly. Uh, by April, we will likely have 75% of our space full and, and open. And by the end of the year, we will have everything full and ready to go. Complicating the financial problem, uh, we're asking retailers to do things they've never done before. Uh, number one, we're asking our retailers in their build-outs to maintain the same commitment that we have made to sustainability. Uh, we've, we've achieved uh, LEED certification, gold certification at three of our buildings already. We have more applications coming back, being reviewed right now. We anticipate silver or gold on all of them. Um, so we're asking them to do things differently so they can't just go to their regular designers, their regular uh, providers, and throw things in that they've done at another mall. We want this to be a completely different experience. Um, and then they also run into the, the, the problem of this is a rather busy time of year in the, in the retail world. So we're working with them very closely. I walked through Crystal's yesterday, and uh, it's interesting to see uh, the Tiffany store is they're actually putting drawers in, in counters already. Uh, the Louis Vuitton has already uh, got its sign up and going. A lot of the restaurants are ready to go. Uh, Eva Longoria's Bizo is, is looking, uh, it has come along very, very much. Um, it'll all be ready. Excellent. I have a couple more questions, but I've been hogging the mic. I want to see if my associates want to uh, squeeze yeah, in. Yeah, I got, I got a question. Um, for the casual tourist who is used to coming to Las Vegas and seeing themed hotels, how would you describe Aria to them? Aria is, well, first let me back up just a little bit. Part of the concept about City Center was to create a place that, that bringing things closer together, introducing more into the same space, including residential, and creating an energy through that proximity that, that created a draw similar to other similar to that that you'd find in other great cities. When you're in New York you say, let's go down to Soho. When you're in Chicago you say let's go do Michigan Avenue. You don't know what you're going to do. You may end up on Michigan Avenue at the you know, National Geographic shop or you may end up down on Lower Wacker and tripping into the Billy Goat Tavern. You just know you're going to go and you're going to meet you know, people looking for a good time and, and that you're going to enjoy yourself. That's what City Center is. 
because there's going to be so many things to do. You're going to be so connected to so many different places that you just know you want to be there and be part of that energy. So not, not fair to change your question, but also want to make sure that ARIA is a significant piece of a larger thing. Now, ARIA, um, I, would, I would say ARIA is the modern interpretation of the casino resort hotel. It, is, it, is, it takes a different approach in that it is not themed. It's not a building in a costume pretending to be something else. It is a building that is, is being itself and, and is, is designed by an architect and interior designers who don't need to tie things to a theme to make them interesting, but that can make them interesting all on their own. Um, it, it will have the same types of amenities that you're used to seeing, casino, fine dining, uh, race and sports book, entertainment, shows, lounges, nightclubs, retail, but it will be a modern interpretation on everything and it will all be built in and operated in a sustainable manner so that the materials used and, and the practices that are implemented are, are designed to leave the smallest footprint possible. Okay, now I understand that. I went to art school and, and I think I, like most of the other extreme casino uh, design dorks, which I think we have the, uh, the quorum here for the first time ever, right? second time, uh, you know, that makes sense. We've been studying the renderings. We've been sniffing out Flickr photos. We've been uncovering every single detail and maggot we can possibly get our, our, our lips wrapped around. Uh, now, for, for my dad, who's 78 years old, how would I describe it to him? It's right next door to Monte Carlo. Okay. Now, <laughs> no, right. it's it's. But why why should no. he come? Why should he go there? Because he wants to see what's new. Because he, he like my dad remembers coming here with his bowling league a couple of times a year from Phoenix and driving and staying at the Castaways and uh, never taking my mom to see Elvis like she wanted. Um, they come here. People come to Vegas for different things. Yeah. Um, it that be, never became more plain to me than the morning we reopened Monte Carlo after the fire. MGM Mirage having thirty-five thousand hotel rooms on the Strip. When we took uh, three thousand of them offline because of the fire, we took care of those customers. We fulfilled commitments to our Monte Carlo customers by placing them in other hotels. One gentleman, and, and, and they stayed at the Monte Carlo rate. They were staying at the same rate that they were quoted, but they were, uh, they could have been in, in, Monte, in, in uh, Luxor, they could have been in MGM, they could have been anywhere. We were there doing live shots early in the morning. A gentleman came in with his suitcase, went straight to the front desk. I followed a reporter over who was, was wanting to talk to somebody, and he said, sir, how did you know Monte Carlo's open? Why are you here so early? He said, the, the company put me up in Bellagio, and I saw that Monte Carlo was opening today on the news. I love Monte Carlo. I've been coming here forever. I just wanted to come back. I'm just so glad it's open. I miss this place. I love this place. And it made me realize that we, including those of you up here, all the restaurant critics, all the show critics, 
We're talking about the newest, the biggest, the baddest, the most expensive, the, the rarest, all of those sorts of experiences. Your dad, my dad, they may or may not give a crap about that. They want what most of America wants. They want a clean room at a decent price. They want a hot meal with a, a good waitress, and they want a, a $5 blackjack table, right? Well, maybe a little more than five. Okay. Yeah, he likes that. Well, if you're doing well, that's good. Yeah, he does okay. So, <laughs> again, we go back to Las Vegas is not the same thing. Your dad may or may not want to go to Aria. My dad, I'll drag him through once. He may want to go back. He may not. For him, it depends on how he did at the craps table. If he does go to the craps table, he'll go back wherever. I have a tough time dragging him out of Sunset Station sometimes. <laughs> but people come to Vegas because they have a good time. Where they find that good time, the fact that we have all these different hotels at all these different price levels is proof that Aria is not going to be for everyone, just like Mandalay Bay is not for everyone. When, when the last merger occurred in 2005, I sat and staffed a lot of interviews with our former chairman, Terry Lanny. Every reporter some of them in this room, Steve Fries, <laughs> asked, Terry, when are you going to shut down that awful Circus Circus and that horrible Excalibur? And Terry would tell every one of them, never. We are never going to shut those down. Those are products that we didn't have anything in our, whole, in our entire portfolio at that value level. Sometimes, sometimes you don't plan on sleeping. You, you know, six guys driving in from L.A., they get a $35 room at Circus Circus. They shower there before they get in the car to drive home. That's what they want. So we were talking about your dad, right? <laughs> it, it, just the point is, not, it, it, Aria is going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be worth experiencing. Is everybody going to want to stay there and shun every other casino? No. It's... it's some people are going to love it. Some people are going to love the casino and hate the restaurants. Some are going to love the show and hate the convention center. Some are going to love the architecture but would never pay that much for a hamburger. <laughs> it's, there's, that's, what, that's what makes Vegas great. I'm sorry. I can't answer that question. Well, I hate, I hate to do this, but we've got to wrap this up. I'm going to go quickly to Dave, and then we're going to have to uh, move along because we've got two other great shows coming up. So. Dr. Dave. Um, a lot has been said about how important it is for City Center to be a success. And, you know, I know that everyone at MGM Mirage is confident it will be a success. What I'd like to know is how does the company define successful? Is there a certain benchmark for room rates? Is there any kind of metric that they're using to define success? So how will we know when it's been successful? If you would have come to us three years ago and told us that we were going to lower our ADR company-wide by 30% and call that a success, we would have looked at you funny. But that's what we've done. We've lowered our ADR because we have a company, we deal in a product that is a, what they call a transient inventory. If we don't sell, like the airlines, not like the airlines. The airlines can cancel flights. If they have an empty plane, they can cancel the flight. We can't cancel a hotel room, a hotel night. So we lowered it. 
in order to make another m number move. So by lowering the ADR, we made our occupancy go up. Mm -hmm. We know you may, we may be giving you away the, the room, um, but you're going to go downstairs. You might play a hand of blackjack. You might see a show. You might eat. You might order a martini. Um, we hope you'll order a martini. So success is a tough one to, to answer. Um, and I think that, that uh, I think the definition of success has changed in the last 18 months, two years. Uh, September of last year was, and it's not unique to our company, it's not unique to Las Vegas, it's not unique to our industry. Um, it was a, a rude awakening to a lot of different people. If, if nobody anticipated uh, the depth uh, to which everything plunged. Um, so, so success, I don't know, Dave. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody has set benchmarks. I think forecasting has really gone out the window. And um, it's, it's what is called the new normal. And, and do you know what good news is now, under, currently, under the new normal? The numbers came out today. They weren't as bad as we thought they were going to be. Right. <laughs> that is good news. Two years ago, every earnings report we did every quarter for our company, we set a new record. We had a string of, it was like the 24th consecutive record earnings that we were reporting. It, we all became blasé. You all became blasé. Now, the numbers, you know, we were expecting a 20% drop. It was only a 17% drop. And suddenly the stock price is going up. That's the new normal. So that's the best answer I can give you to measuring success. But we do feel, and, and Jim Murren has said, he, he feels that City Center will be largely responsible for the, what he anticipates will be at least a 5% increase in visitor volume next year. Unfortunately, I think we have to leave it there. Uh, I think I can pick your brain for hours, but uh, we've got some other stuff coming up. Uh, I want to thank Gordon for coming, um, taking time out on his Saturday to hang out with us. My we pleasure. really appreciate it.